Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Played for you yesterday some audio from the new Italian prime minister. Uh, Carolyn Maloney. Uh, she is, well, she's a scary person. If you listen to the left, the headlines out there about her are very alarming. She is, well, she's Mussolini reincarnated. If you listen to uh, NPR and a lot of the other, uh, well, not even really, uh, I, I, I repeat myself. When I say uh, liberal outlets, because they're almost all liberal, uh, Georgia Maloney is somebody who has to be stopped because the three things that she prizes are, are you ready for this? I mean, this is really, this is really nefarious stuff. God, I know, I know you're reeling, God, God country uh oh i mean how could it get worse god and country how could it get possibly get worse well it does god country and family god country and family that's what she stresses and she's the reincarnation of a fascist according to virtually every headline that you read in the mainstream media yeah here is georgia maloney at the CPAC convention, Conservative Political Action Committee convention, one of the last times that she was here in this country. We live in a time in which everything we stand for is under attack. Our individual freedom is under attack. Our rights are under attack. The sovereignty of our nation is under attack. The prosperity and well-being of our families is under attack. The education of our children is under attack. The only way of being rebels is to preserve what we are. The only way of being rebels is to be conservative. The only way of being a rebel is to be conservative. Hmm. Sounds pretty fascist to me, right? You too, huh? You say, wait, I'm, I'm conservative. Yeah, so am I. So am I, and I'm not a fascist. In fact, I'm, well, to coin a phrase from uh, from the Black Lives Matter movement, I'm an anti-fascist. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm a member of Antifa, but I'm against fascism. I'm pro-freedom. You want to say whatever you want to say, say it. I might tell you it's dumb, but I'll let you say it. We need to get back to the time where we all live and believe to the statement, I may disagree with what you say, but I will defend with my life your right to say it. Well, 
Not on CBS News. Here's the CBS News report on Georgia Maloney coming to power in Italy. See if you notice. See if you notice a theme. The woman expected to become prime minister leads a party with roots in neo-fascism. The hallmarks of Italian fascism, like this motto. God, fatherland, and family. A far-right political party whose roots go back to post-World War II neo-fascists. Far-right political party whose roots go back to post-World War II neo-fascists. Roots in Italy's post-war fascist movement. Roots in Italy's 20th century neo-fascist movement. Maloney herself uh, was a a hardcore neo-fascist militant. Stunning because of Italy's disastrous history, the last time a hard-right party rose to power. The most far-right government in that country since Mussolini. Most right-wing government since Mussolini. Since... Mussolini. A red flag if there ever was one, says Edith Brooke, a renowned poet and Holocaust survivor. Italy about to see the country's most right-wing government since World War II. Most far-right far right, far right government since World War II. Since the end of World War II. Maloney's win will probably send alarm bells throughout Europe. You know, it's alarming to a lot of people around Europe. Italy is revered for its history, but not all of that history is beautiful, and many fear that one particularly ugly chapter could soon repeat itself. Mmm. Many fear that. God, country, family. Wow. Scary stuff. In Italy, uh, Byron York, Washington Examiner, uh, noting that um, the Maloney factor is, uh, well, maybe reminds you of another little thing called uh, the MAGA movement. Well, remember that a lot of commentators on the left have been calling a lot of people fascist. Uh, in recent years, certainly since the rise of Donald Trump in the United States, uh, that doesn't make it so. Now, the, the, the other side of concerns that she has, we're talking about social conservatives or cultural conservative concerns, is just the state of Italy and its role in Europe. I mean, countries don't have a real national sovereignty. And you've, you've seen uh, sort of nationalistic populist movements arise in, uh, in Hungary and in Poland. We've seen maybe the beginnings in Sweden and now in Italy. And this is a threat uh, to the European bureaucracy uh, in, in Brussels. And uh, that doesn't make it a bad thing. I mean, it, it's kind of an unstable union, uh, the, the whole place. And uh, on top of that, on top of that, when you think about these elections, uh, remember, uh, Italy has had very bad inflation. Their, their energy prices have just shot through the roof, tripled. Yeah. Uh, and that's the sort of thing that causes voters to want change. It doesn't mean fascism. It means that gas is really expensive. Hmm. Anything applicable there to our situation? See, fascism, extremism, has become... Insisting upon honesty, prizing truth, not taking for granted the opinions, the, well, not opinions. I mean, it's not an opinion, Bruce, that uh, six feet of social distancing will save you from COVID. It's not an opinion, Bruce, that you have to wear a mask. It's not an opinion that it's not safe for the kids to go back to school. It's not an opinion. It's fact that you have to get a vaccine and you have to get a booster and you have to get another booster and wait, the third booster will take care of it. Those are not matters of opinion anymore. You're not allowed to ask for proof from your betters, from those in power. 
You have to believe what they tell you. Now, you might think all this nonsense is behind us, but it is not behind us. In California, there is a bill on the desk of Governor Gavin Newsom that would criminalize false information that contradicts, I'm reading right from it, false information that contradicts contemporary scientific consensus based on a standard of care. We have COVID in our rearview mirror. We have COVID in our, the president said so. Ah, don't come after me, FBI. Put your guns back in your holsters. The president said the pandemic is over. So we have COVID in our rearview mirror. I can blame that on the president. And yet there is a bill passed by the heavily Democratic California state government awaiting signature by Gavin Newsom that would criminalize in the medical profession, and I quote, false information that contradicts contemporary scientific consensus based on a standard of care. Can you think of anything that might have been proposed, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago? for your well-being that would have fallen within the parameters of contemporary scientific consensus based on standard of care that proved to be inaccurate. you think of anything? Well, I remember on August the 17th, the CDC saying that they had made some, and I quote, pretty dramatic, pretty public mistakes, the CDC. Yet in the aftermath of the CDC admitting its mistakes on COVID, there is a bill sitting on the desk of the California governor. And he's the guy yesterday, two days ago, over the weekend, whenever it was, Gavin Newsom, who said this about what Democrats need to do. These guys are ruthless on the other side. Where are we? Where are we organizing bottom-up a compelling alternative narrative? Where are we going on the offense every single day? They're winning right now. The Democratic Party has to assert itself much more aggressively. What do you think? You think he's going to sign that bill? I think he's going to sign that bill. Or more likely, he's going to let that bill sit there and not sign it and let it become law anyway. Because he is first and foremost power hungry and wants to be president. And he knows that if he signs it, he might have to own it. But if he just lets it sit there and it becomes law, he gets everything he wants without the accountability. Well, we do have the first lawsuit filed now against Joe Biden's unquestionably unconstitutional student loan forgiveness. The Pacific Legal Foundation has filed a lawsuit in the Southern District of Indiana, and they are arguing that states like Indiana, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Arkansas, North Carolina, uh, taxes loan forgiveness And so Joe Biden has created an undue burden upon them by creating basically a financial gift to those who voluntarily signed up for these loans, who knew the terms, who willingly entered into that contract, and that it puts the state at an undue burden to try to collect those taxes. So we'll see how that goes. I certainly hope that I don't care how they get to it. I don't care if they get to it in matters of standing or matters of unconstitutionality or whatever. I just hope they get it taken care of. 
Uh, the funny thing, though, is this is not helping the Democrats in the midterms. They thought that they would essentially just buy votes. They would buy votes from millennials, people who have big student loan debt. It has not moved the needle. The impact of abortion, and again, the midterms are six weeks from today. The impact of abortion in the midterms, we don't know what it's going to be yet because obviously we're six weeks away. We may be sitting here saying, okay, in this state it made a difference, in this state it didn't make a difference. We may look nationally and say there really was no appreciable difference. Or, or wow, people emphasized abortion over the economy, over crime, over the border. But Biden's approval rating going back down under 40% suggests that the momentary impact of abortion, and this is how this is how our emotions work, right? Somebody says something and you disagree with it, or something bad happens to you and you're very upset by it. It's not very often that a week later, a month later, or in the case of the Dobbs decision, what, three, four months later, you're just as mad about it then as you were originally. So I understand why a lot of people thought, oh, this is going to make all the difference in the midterms. Mm. If so, it would be the unique political issue. I mean, you can be upset if you're pro-death, pro-abortion. You can still be upset. I get that. I mean, Afghanistan was over a year ago. I'm still upset by that. But when you look at the economy, when you look at the inflation numbers, what happens when you go to the grocery store, when you go to the gas station, you fill up your car. You fill up your car right now. I fill up my car. Takes me somewhere between 40 and 50 bucks to fill my gas tank. I remember very well that it was extremely rare when it took me $30 to fill up my gas tank. So what happens every time I go and fill my gas tank, every time I walk down the aisle at Kroger and I see the price of bacon, I see the price of hamburger, it scratches the wound wide open again. Is that how it works with the issues that the Democrats would like us to prioritize? Is that how it works with Abortion, is that how it works with Trump derangement syndrome? Now, for some people, the answer is yes. For some people, the answer is yes. Uh, Give a listen to a guy who's supposed to have his emotions under control, Jamie Raskin. He's a congressman from New York. Uh, His Trump derangement syndrome, (laughs) it never goes away, never goes away. Thomas Massey, congressman from Kentucky, is at a hearing yesterday asking, hey, you know... uh, You guys that want to keep January 6th first and foremost in the news headlines, uh, I would like to see, now that I know that you interviewed the mysterious January 6th shadowy figure that is Ray Epps, the guy who was like, hey, we need to go into the Capitol, into the Capitol, Ray Epps. Everybody wants to know, who's Ray Epps? We'd like to hear from Ray Epps. Well, the January 6th committee talked to Ray Epps. And Thomas Massey, all he wants, he's a Republican, he's in Congress, fair-minded guy he'd like to know he'd like to know about ray epps and what the january 6th committee found out when they interviewed ray epps he asked a reasonable question Mm, that's where the reasonableness ends because jamie raskin for him that trump derangement syndrome it's not very far below the surface Um, mr epps was in front of the january 6th committee 
And we were told that a transcript of his interview would be released, but it's never been released. And I wondered, was he sworn None in? of the transcripts have been released, so you don't need a conspiracy theory about that. We haven't well, released any of them. Were you present when he was interviewed? That would give me... No, some. I was not. I was not. We've done more than a thousand interviews. You guys are trying to make this poor schmuck who showed up to your protest <laughs> into something a lot bigger than he is. Okay? He's just trying to survive, and he's on your side. You don't have many voters left. You might want to try to hang on to them without demonizing and vilifying your own people. <laughs> That's the Donald Trump way. Sell everybody else down the road. <laughs> Unless you're going to get a pardon. Some people are still hanging around waiting for their pardon. But... Most people have opened their eyes about what he's done to our country. What he's done to his family. Have you guys ever read the book by Mary Trump about the way that Donald Trump has absolutely destroyed their family? Wrecked her father's life? They do it to family. They do it to friends. They do it to their own associates and employees. And now you guys are doing it to this poor Ray Epps. Leave that guy alone, whoever he is. Are you I don't know. I... I I watch Ivanka and Jared, you know, I watch uh, Don Jr., I watch uh, Eric Trump, I see Lara Trump on TV. They they don't look like their lives have been destroyed to me. Uh, speaking of presidential pardons, I, I hope Jamie Raskin can get one from Biden for his hair. Whew, that's some bad hair going there, Jamie. Uh, his Trump derangement is riled up every bit as my disdain for Joe Biden and his policies is riled up by filling my gas tank, by pricing hamburger, by pricing bacon. So there's no way to predict when you are that much of a partisan hack as Jamie Raskin is, as Eric Swalwell is, as Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, they're fighting so hard to pin not just something, anything on Donald Trump, to pin Donald Trump to Republicans, to demonize. Do we have an argument on merit? Could we have an argument on results? Could we have an argument on accountability? No. No, we can't have an argument on results or accountability or policy effectiveness. Why do they not want to have an argument on those terms? Why do they want to go to, well, have you read the book by Donald Trump's Distant relative who says he's destroyed her dad's life. They go there because that's the only way they can win the argument. They storm in to arrest Mark Houck for being pro-life because they know they've already lost the case against Mark Houck, and so they're going to try to preserve whatever political usefulness there is in his case, for them. And so if you have to terrify his children by going to get him at gunpoint, it's worth it because it energizes their base. It scratches the wound wide open again and invigorates their voting base. So these are not honorable people. They do not deal honorably with their political opponents. And the way that you know that is because they accuse you and me and Mark Houck and Thomas Massey and Donald Trump 